You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. Turn with me in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We used to put scriptures up, and I felt like it was producing baby Christians that didn't even know how to find it in their Bible. So if you've got a Bible, hold your Bible up right now. Even if it's your smartphone, hold your Bible up. Hold it up tall. Come on, somebody. Say, this is the word of truth. Say, everything this word declares is truth in my life, over my life, and through my life. I have what it says I have, and I am who it says I am. And there's nothing this world can do to stop it. If you believe it, say amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For now we are looking in a mirror. Who likes looking in mirrors? All the vain people just admitted it. No. We are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of reality as if in a riddle or an enigma. I'm reading in the Amplified. But when perfection, which is Jesus, comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. But now we know in part, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. And so, faith, hope, and love abide, faith being the conviction and the belief, respecting man's relation to God and divine things, hope being that joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation, and love being true affection for God and man. Say God and man. Growing out of God's love for us and in us. Without God's love in us and for us, we could never love properly. These three exist, but the greatest of these is love. Say this with me this morning. Say, God loves me. me. Take your finger, point it at yourself, and be like, this person. You can say guy if you're a guy, gal if you're a girl, or if you're confused, say free. (laughs) Free. (laughs) We get ourselves in trouble around here, but you know what? Actually, it's not trouble. We just make trouble for the devil. Come on, somebody. Point it at yourself and say, this guy is loved by God. I want you to grab that. Years and years ago, my dad, being a Tennessee boy, encountered the love of God in a church called the Lord's Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. My dad was uh, raised kind of spoiled, kind of upper class, hurdy-turdy, as you would say. He could have whatever car he wanted because my granddad was a car dealership. My dad went to Woodstock. He was never really heavy into drugs and alcohol, but he did party and do his own thing, real popular, until one day he met the Lord. And when he met the Lord as a kid, he asked Jesus into his heart. But when he found himself in his early 20s, just feeling that hunger for God and pursuing the presence of God, he met the Spirit of God in this church, was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized, set apart. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Bible college. Much like my story, if those of you that have heard it, it's very interesting, but I was literally saved in the exact same building my dad was saved in. That church still exists today. Of course, it's not the same you know, 
church running it, but the building exists, an absolutely amazing building. And I was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and called of God to go to Bible school in the exact same building. An interesting story, I actually know the pastor that pastors in that building today. He's a spirit-filled Holy Ghost man. Isn't that awesome? It's like for generations, God has used that place to set hearts ablaze and change lives. Anything you give to the Lord, He will use it, and He will use it well. So my dad comes to Bible college, and in Bible college, he went to Pensacola, Florida, Liberty Bible College at that time, and it was in Bible college, and wound up working for a man by the name of Brother Dillard. You have to say brother, because it's Dillard doesn't work, you know what I'm saying? It's Brother Dillard. Look at your brother and sister. But Brother Dillard was the happiest dude around. You ever been around people so happy it annoys you? We're going to tell the truth this morning. It's like you, you, like you understand there should be a balance. What good is the joy of the Lord if you don't have a moody Tuesday? You know what I'm saying? To really understand the swing of the pendulum. But Brother Dillard never had a moody Tuesday. He was like happy all the time, giggling, laughing, didn't matter what was going on. And my dad started working for Brother Dillard. Worked on the ranch with him. He owned a ranch when moved out to Texas. And Brother Dillard was super happy because he had one revelation. Shout one. Doesn't take a whole arsenal, it just takes one. The one revelation Brother Dillard walked in was he was fully persuaded. I mean, to the point that my mom said he actually would say the only thing he struggled with was believing that God could love other people as much as he knew God loved him. Now, who in here struggles with that? Dwayne, I believe that about you, Dwayne. You're a beautiful man inside and out. Who, who wouldn't love that? The full package. <laughs> but literally, he was so, he just knew. He would introduce himself as one that God loved and would tell people, no, God loves me so much. Nothing bad can happen in my life because God just loves me. He loves me so much. He cares for me. So He loves me more than I love me. He's wonderful. And every day was a sweet day for Brother Dillard. Do you know that there was one apostle that would do the same thing? His name was John. And John would introduce himself as the beloved. You know, not the one that loved Jesus, but the one that Jesus loved. You know you got a revelation that you're walking in at that point where you're like, everybody, Peter's like, I love you, I love you, I will never burst me out, you know, and then Peter fails. John was like, you love me. (laughs) Who wouldn't love me? No, God loved John, and he truly did. John was one of the ones in the inner circle that was brought to the Mount of Transfiguration. He was one that would go everywhere. When Jesus sent everybody out except for a handful to raise the dead, John was in that bunch. The man that had a revelation, he just loves me. Of course he wants me there. He loves me. Isn't that awesome? And you know that of all the apostles, John was the only one that was not martyred. I mean, Peter was hung upside down on a, or on a, on a, on a crucifix because he said he wasn't worthy to be dying the same manner as Christ. So he's crucified upside down. Some died by the sword, some by the spear. John, get this, was exiled to a Mediterranean island. Oh, 
where do you sign up for that persecution? <laughs> Is there a list for that? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're going to send me where? Oh, geez, man. Perfect weather, seafood galore. Are you sure? All right. Roughing it for Jesus. Everybody else is out there dying, being murdered. John's eating crabs. <laughs> S- sitting there crying at dinner. He just loves me so much. <laughs> These crabs are great, by the way. You know, he lived to be 94. I mean, everybody else is dying 30s, 40s. Here's John, pretty confident that I mean, he's actually going to physically see Jesus return. Because he lived so long from one revelation. I'm loved. Say it one more time. Say, I'm loved. Do you know that one of the hardest things for us to understand is that God just loves us exactly as we are right here, right now. He's not, he loves us into transformation. That is, love is what empowers us to actually desire to be different. Now, until you meet that love, what's the point of doing anything? Everybody fails you. Everything's vanity. We all wind up like Solomon. Oh, vanity and vanities. What is life about? I work in the morning, I slave at night, and then other people have more than me. That was my best Shakespeare. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be performing at the Claremont Arts and Recreation Building. It's a monologue. I couldn't find anybody else willing to go out on stage with me. I don't know what it is, probably because I'm just so good. (laughs) But the revelation of God's love, and He loves you. He loves you as you are. He loves you when you screw up. He loves you when you do great. He loves you at all times. In fact, the Bible says there's, it's impossible to escape God's love for you. To put it to you in a plain way, if God didn't love you, most likely you wouldn't even still be here. How many people should be dead? Absolutely. How many people should be locked up in a prison cell somewhere? I don't know. Look around. Just so you know, security, keep your eyes peeled. One more time, who should be locked up? <laughs> I remember when I first got saved. You know, I was like, I thought everybody in the church was great. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's church. Everybody loves Jesus and everybody's wonderful and everybody's kind. And then they're like, eh, we got another purse stolen. It's really a church where you have to announce, on your way to the bathroom, remember to take your personal belongings with you. Not everybody in here loves Jesus as much as you love Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord and on your purse at all times. (laughs) It's true. The church is a hospital for the sick. Amen. He had one revelation. God loved him. Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, how can Jesus say so plainly 
that literally every aspect of Christendom, every law, everything that God desires you to do hangs on this one thing, that if you just love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor like you love yourself, that you will not basically sin at all. Why? Because love always believes the best, confesses the best, forgives, moves on, never fails, never quits, no matter what. And if you love God, like you are on, you, I love you, God, what that does is you don't need a preacher, you don't need a sermon, and you don't need a to-do list of what you're doing wrong. You check your own heart in your pursuit of God. I love Him. I want to be pleasing to God. Not that I'm not, but I just desire that closeness to God. So therefore, I wind up hating sin because when I sin, I feel away from God. And I don't like to be away from God. I like to be near God. Amen. It's like when, when we went launching the ministry and we'd travel out and my wife and I'd be going. If we had a fight, on the, I remember one time my wife would always break open the crowd by singing a special. She's always anointed. And one remember one night that she was mad at me. And I was like, babe, it's your part to sing a special. And she was like, mm-mm. I felt like the, just like just shut down the service. You know what I'm saying? I'm not qualified to preach because my bride doesn't want to be with me. And I remember that conviction. Nobody in the crowd knows. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they know. You could get up there and act like it. But I remember feeling that where we would realize we got to get right and on the same page before we step out there because I can't handle ministering with something between us just as I can't handle ministering with something between me and God. Are you with me right now? And so you don't need checked up on. People are like, you need follow-up in the body of Christ. We do need discipleship. We need help. But let me tell you, when you fall in love with Jesus, no one's got to check up on you. You can be alone on an island in the Mediterranean and still be caught up into his presence. Feasting on the goodness of God because you love him. And if you love him, you don't desire sin. Why would I desire something that he told me is bad for me? I don't want it. Get it out of my life. Father, help me. Cleanse me. Why would I want something that makes me feel distant from him? I don't want it in my life. True love is that. It's learning to walk. And then from that, and when you read it in the Amplified, it says that love is, obviously, it is given to us by God. That until you met the Lord, you never really knew true love. We as humans fail miserably at loving. I think I said it just a while back that when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on love and you take the relationships in your life that you declare, I love this person, that's usually the person that you take more note of what they've done wrong. You have a tally list of what they do right and don't do right. You're fully aware of all their flaws. You know? I love them, but oh my gosh, don't do this, don't do that, don't say that, don't give them that, don't look over there. Whereas God's love takes no note of that. Isn't that crazy? I want to challenge you with something to realize the love of God. You know, he would never ask you to do something that he didn't first do himself. And so he chose to love you. He loved you out of hell and out of darkness and brought you into light. He called you his own. He put his spirit on the inside of you. He went to bat for you. In the midst of your sin, he stood up and says, I will not abandon this person. In the lowest moments. Come on, somebody. But then he even said to us that we're supposed to forgive seven times 70 in one day. 490 times in one day we're supposed to forgive. And so... 
if we are supposed to do that, then what is he saying about his nature for us? That every time you screw up, all you got to do is say, Father, forgive me. And he's like, I forgive you. Come here. It's like when we win we, 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 souls, we always tell people, when you screw up, run to God, not from God. Run right at the one that loves you, the one that cares for you, the one that will pour his spirit and his oil back in you and build you strong again. That's the love of God. It tears down boundaries, breaks down walls, and it just rushes in and changes you. Amen. When I first met the Lord as a 19-year-old Tennessee boy, redneck, tough as nails, we don't cry, never cry, we get mad. You know what I'm saying? When a country boy should cry, he punches windows. It's what we do in the South. We're idiots. We literally are idiots. Our games are things like, hey, let's play bloody knuckles. Anybody play bloody knuckles? Yeah. Like, let's see how tough we are by damaging our body permanently. I have a scar right here on my hand. You can still see it. It looks like a cigarette burn. You know what that is? That is where we used to take $100 bills, wrap them around our hand, and try and burn through the $100 bill. And see, if you could burn through the $100 bill, you got to keep it. We would just hold it and hold it, just screaming in pain. And then once the scar was formed, then they used to put cigarettes out in it, talking about how bad your life was. That's stupid. Can everybody agree I'm an idiot? But you know what? I'm an idiot that's loved by the Lord. Even in all that stupidity, God was like, I'm going to look past it. Mm. Other people, I will say, Caleb, have made it easier for me to love. Then you have made it easy for me to love you. But I will look past your faults. And I choose to love you. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Don't take a moment right now. Just close your eyes. Just let the goodness of God wash over you. Over you. Man, you might have had a brutal week. You might have been fighting with those that you love in this week. You might have been... Just abuse spoken bad of your whole life. You may even be in a, an abusive relationship where it is hard to even feel love. You might have been raised with a father that was abusive. But I'm here to tell you right now the love of God is real. It is present and it is tangible. Because at 19 years old, when the presence of God came upon me and the love of God shot through, I found every wall around my heart broken down. And I sobbed and I cried, not because I was sad, but because I had never knew love like that love. One encounter with that love, and I literally got off the ground 30 minutes later, covered in snot, cried all over, and knew instantly I wanted to go home and tell my sister I was sorry for the things I had done to her, tell my mother I was sorry for the pain I had caused her, because encountering true love like that already did a work on the inside of me where I wanted to pour that love back out. Man, the Bible says you can do many great works, but if you lose this one thing, your first love for God, you lose that love and you get caught up in doing things well, that you have been made yourself empty, you have made yourself distant, and you begin to lose what matters most. That love that fills every void, covers every sin, builds you up strong, even when you screw up, the love of God is still there. Now, how do we love God and we love others? First of all, the Bible says that we are to love others, but not the praise of others. Matthew 10, 37, he that loves his mother or his father or his mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What is Jesus saying here? I thought we're supposed to love people, but I can't love my dad more than I love God. Well, it says it in John 12, 43. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That if we're going to get this relationship right with God, then first and foremost, we've got to love God. And from that is where true love comes from. Has God ever rebuked you? Come on. Oh, yeah. Has God ever shot through the fluff of your life and gave you truth that was hard truth that you needed? Come on, somebody. Has he ever been like, stop it? You ever been like, get up, stop crying? You ever been that way? Yes, because it's true love. He'll speak to you the absolute truth that you need to hear. And so to love people right, you can't love people right unless you're full of the love of God and have a revelation of his love for you. Amen. FYI, for those of you on the wings, we're putting TVs in this week to where you'll be able to see me right there on that little wall walking around. Amen. So our challenge in this world is, because the Bible says you say you love God, obviously, but you don't love your brothers. How can you love a God you can't see, but you don't love people that you do see? And so our challenge of learning to love God is learning how to love the brothers and sisters that God has given us in this world, despite the fact that they talked about us, despite the fact that they did this to us. Anybody in here ever been, you know, taken advantage of by a person in the church? Come on, wave your hand at me. Anybody in here ever believe that this was a surefire business deal because this person goes to church? (laughs) Yeah. And yet the Bible says that in that, we're supposed to love them. And by that, we perfect the love for God, learning to love. Even when people have done wrong to us, we take no, no note of it. We release them from it. We bless them. We confess the best over their life. And we continue to move on, not allowing that bitterness to take root in our hearts where we, we stop loving. And it happens to many people. When you really watch people that they decline from the church, it's not the presence of God. It's not that the church music is too loud. It's not. It's that in their heart, there's a hardening going on that scales up their heart and they begin to step away from love and the letting love flow through them until they built a wall back up to where they feel justified to leave. You know, that we are perfected as a church when we live in community because you don't even know what love is until it gets tried. You don't even know how to love until someone is gritting you like sandpaper and you're learning to let something flow deeper from the inside of you than what comes from the mind of you. Though your mind wants to say something, your spirit comes out and you find yourself loving, forgiving, and blessing. You get to a point in your walk with God that people that do harm to you, somehow or another, it's almost indescribable, you're filled with compassion for the people that come against you. Because you look at them and realize, it had not been for the love of God. I would have not been any different than this person. But by the grace, by a love I can't earn and can't understand and certainly don't deserve, I can see what I didn't see before. And you let that love flow through you. But in the midst of that, learning to love means you can't love the shouts and the praises of men more than God. That's where we get off track too. That man I love, you love to feel good. Everybody wants a cheerleader. 
But sometimes true love has no cheerleader with it. Sometimes it takes a a boldness to walk in love and just declare things right and realize, man, no matter what, I'm going to love you with the love of the Lord and I'm going to tell you what, what the word of God says. And that love is true love. It's the same love that God delivers to you each and every day. That when you screw up, he comes in. When you're a David on your way out, he'll send a prophet to call you out on your junk. Not to expose you, not to ridicule you, but to bring you right back in. Because he knows even the desire of your heart is to love him like David's heart was desiring. I want to love him. I want to be the apple of his eye. Love others, but not their praise. Do you love people? Do you truly love each other? And then the Bible talks about the fact that you can't serve two masters. Probably the biggest thing that comes against us to war and to pull our affections is ultimately, as the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. That this world is full of a world that is basically built within itself. It's like a video game that if you could rise to the top, the cream of the crop, that you are superior than other people and you're walking at this level to where it drives us. And it says that the love of money is the root of all evil, wherein by people have pierced themselves through with many sorrows in their pursuit of it. You're not meant to pursue mammon, the things of this world. You're meant to pursue the presence of God. And from that pursuit, allow heaven to give you that which you need. But if you love people, and I've thought about this this week, you know, the Bible talks about a woman, as Jesus said, that those that have been forgiven much, love much. Some of the people that had the hardest of lives when they get on fire are the most on fire people for God. Bro, you can't persuade them anything else. Met a woman in, in Clearwater years ago that had fibromyalgia. It was like a nerve disease, I believe. She, could, she had to wear gloves, could barely touch anything. I mean, desperate for God, couldn't even leave her house it got to. And finally called into a prayer line one day. And the presence of God healed her over the phone, baptized her in the Holy Ghost, changed her entire world. She was praying in tongues, laughing, crying, and healed of fibromyalgia. Of course, she's so excited, she goes to church and is just exuberant with the presence of God. And a bunch of dusty, crusty Christians actually told her to calm down and stop being so excited about God because she was convicting them. Jesus said it, man. Who loves the most? The person that has screwed up the most and then felt the love of God wash back in? That's the person that's like, you don't understand. You don't know where I've been and you don't know how hard I've fallen. But every time I fell, he was right there to pick me back up again. I'm in love with this man. His name is Jesus. And there's a story in the Bible of a woman named Mary that came and poured out a very expensive gift. Now, people are like, why would you ever give expensive things to God? He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. But you need it. And so she pours out this alabaster box, the Bible says, of spikenard that was worth 300 whatever dinar. People say it's a year's salary, whatever it was. It was an expensive gift. And literally just pours it out upon him. Is this overflow? Is this too much? Is this? Yes. It's meant to be a perfume. Imagine if I came in here and I broke open the biggest bottle of Creed and just poured it on myself today. Everybody in here would be like, whoo, Pastor Caleb. (laughs) Brother, love you. Showers are of the Lord. It was too much. And you know that the Bible says that there were people around that became indignant. 
They got angry at someone's... Why should anybody... That's like a person that gets angry if a, if, a, if a husband blesses his wife with something and you get angry. It has nothing to do with you. They love them. Get over yourself. But we've seen it. People get envious over these things. And so they got, he got angry. Others were angry. They said, this could have been given to the poor. But if you read the Gospel of John, it says he didn't say it really thinking about the poor. It says he said this because he loved money and had stolen the money from the treasury. He was a thief. Why was he a thief? There in the presence of God each and every single day, seeing miracle signs and wonders, but didn't know how to be loved. And so because he didn't know how to let the love of God in, it never transformed his life. Rather, he focused on the things that it would give him than the one that was giving the things. And so from that, his heart got twisted to the point that he was angry at this point and immediately says in John that Satan entered into his heart at that moment. Over an offering, Satan entered into his heart. When the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, what it's actually talking about is this moment. That literally our Savior being murdered, being taken out, was because one man loved money too much. It took our Savior from us. Now we know that it had to happen. Even Caiaphas, the high priest, literally prophesied that year saying he will give his life. What better that one man die for all of us than every one of us perish. The high priest knew Jesus has to die. It was ordained by God, but why did it happen? Because one man loved money. You can't love stuff over God. Are you kidding me? Some of the most joyful, happiest people on planet earth are the ones that have nothing. Because I'm telling you, everything in this world, it is not satisfying. It doesn't feel you like God's presence feels you. It doesn't give you value. Love is derived by what was given for you, not what you obtain. Man, I was, he gave his life for me. I'm the loved of the Lord. I'm the cherished one of God. Why can I make a prayer? Why can I boldly pursue him? Why can I go after him? Why can I ask for the same thing over and over again? Because he loves me. And in the bounds of a love relationship, there is nothing off limits to talk about. Come on. Hey, somebody. But you get off point and you wind up loving the things of this world more than you love the presence of God. Then it winds up stealing from you the very joy of your salvation. And many people wind up being pierced through with these sorrows. Saying, man, if God loved me, why do I have this going on? If God loved me, why is my life harder than other people? First of all, you don't even know how hard their lives are. If God loved me, why does pain, why does suffering, why do people I love get taken from me? Because this world is flawed. But you're not living for this world. Come on, somebody. This world is going to have many afflictions. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You're going to have times you hurt. You're going to have times you're mourning. The Bible talks about that. There is a season for all of these things. A time to laugh and a time to cry. Bro, anybody in here having a time to cry? What happens in those moments? The beauty of walking things out with God is you sense His presence. At the highest moments of life, and at the lowest moments of life. 
That sometimes in the battles and the things that you go through, the struggles, those around you, these things coming against you, all of this thrown at you, that in it comes a clarity to realize nothing else really matters other than this relationship that I have with God. This life literally is a vapor, guys. It will be taken from you in the twinkling of an eye, but those of you that fall in love with God, you will not taste of death. Jesus himself said it. You won't know death. You will only know life. That's the love of God, that he would pierce through the darkest of places, the hardest of people to love. Even when you go to Israel, and I'm not trying to be rude or anti-whatever that term is, Semitic, but you go to Israel, the Jewish people would be some of the hardest people to love. Their culture is so brash. So just, I mean, come at you. I mean, you pay $20 for something, you exchange the money, and then they shout at you, give me more money. But we just exchanged. It was printed. No, you owe me more money. Hard place. Jesus picked the hardest of cultures to show you I mean it when I say I love. They've been in a war, a hard heart, a stiff neck. But Jesus says, I'm never going to change. I will love them. And my love for them will spill out from them to the nations of the world. That any that believe it, any that open themselves up to it, I will love you from that moment till you are called home. There is nothing that will shake the love of God off of your life. He loves. He loves you. And I look at the church and so many people that get caught up in the church world trying to compare their lives, trying to do better than other Christians, trying to get this place or have this and have that, and you realize none of that matters. You could literally be the biggest screw-up that can't even usher worth a darn, can't but help but spill your communion every time it's given. You've destroyed 18 chairs. You broke a window. Every time you volunteer, people say, give them something in the corner. And yet in all of that, God's not looking at how well you serve the church. He's not looking at how good you preach. He's not looking at how much money you have. He's looking at the fact, are you like Mary? Do you realize the only thing of value is to come and sit at my feet? And if you sit at my feet, I will give you everything that you could ever dream to have. My gosh. Jesus. And the love of God is so strong. Man, a thousand people could line up to ridicule you. And one word from God will break off every weight of their criticism. Are you kidding me? I've noticed the faithfulness of God. That when things begin to come against you. And it's like this person attacking. And you feel the crazy. God, what is going on? He will go out of his way to send one person through. And that one person will come in. You'll get a certified letter in the mail from someone in New Mexico you've never heard of saying, I just want you to know that you changed my life. And you're like, God, thank you for that. No one encourages like our God encourages. No one sticks closer than our God sticks. I've been through the fire. And let me tell you, when you go through the fire, no one goes through the fire with you except him. What about my leadership? No, bro, they're watching, praying, hoping. Come on. You didn't see all the Israelites in in Babylon line up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If one of us burns, we're all going to burn. Let's go, guys. Nope. 
there was three threatened and three went in. But in the fire, just like Nebuchadnezzar looked through and he said, bro, didn't we throw in three? Why do I see four? And the image of the fourth man is like the son of God. My gosh, it shook Nebuchadnezzar so deeply that he pulled them out of that fire. They didn't smell of smoke. And he ordered that day, if anybody's going to be worshipped, it will not be an image of me. It will be the image of the God Almighty, the Son of the living God, that walked in the fire and delivered his people. That's who our God is. We're not talking about a God that says, go out and produce something for me. We're talking about a God that says, watch what I am going to do on your behalf. I will move heaven and earth. I will tackle every enemy. I will war on your behalf to win you and let you know that when I say it, I mean it. Man, the love of God is, more, is stronger than anything you've ever imagined. I've watched the love of God take a seven-foot giant tattooed man looking rough, covered in a beard that everybody's scared of, pierce through to his heart and him cry like a baby. I've watched people on the street, tattoos up, tongue forked like a demon, the presence of God comes on them, and they start crying on the streets of Ybor City. I've watched God turn an entire room around with an atmosphere that broke open hearts and people just wept in the goodness of God. They're not crying because they're lonely. They're crying because for the first time they feel filled. They feel alive. They feel like something greater is on the inside of me. It calls you to another level. Bro, when you meet the love of God, see, that's the beauty of it. People are like, how do I win souls? Fall in love with Jesus. And you can't shut your mouth up. <laughs> Think about it. When you first met your high school sweetheart, everybody knew. When we met, my wife and I, we'd talk till 4 o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm talking about. You could never go to sleep. You hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> no, you. You. Okay, I was just sleeping. You still there? It's precious. It's not forced. You're not getting paid for it. All your friends are sick and tired of hearing about it. But you aren't. Take it to your kids when your kids get born. Oh my gosh. Everything they do is life changing. The other day he did a poopy. No one cares that he did a poopy. Like people driving down the road. My kid is on the A-plus list. Shut up. <laughs> My kid's in detention. <laughs> but he's got a good heart. <laughs> he's just misunderstood. That's all. notice how when you love you love your wife you love your kids that's like you can endure a lot you can talk about me but if you see someone trying to abuse your kids oh my gosh thou shalt not kill it's very important to remember at that moment because your blood boils you know what I mean 
When you, are, when you love your kid, man, someone comes against them. Well, I want you to realize when God says, I will fight your battles. I will be your shield and I will be your buckler. That though the enemy rises up against you and comes against you, he will flee from you seven ways. What does that mean? He means you're going to dice him into seven little bits and kick him out. That when you realize, I am loved. I'm loved. Why will my house stand when the hurricane comes through? Because I'm loved by God. I called every one of my friends down south. Naples, Inglewood, and in Fort Myers. You're talking, you watch that hurricane, Category 4, hang out for hours, pounding them. And I would call them in the, I mean, you watched it for hours. You call them, they're like, no, we're still here. Yeah, we still have power. I lost power. <laughs> yeah, we're watching a movie, but you better pray it is flooding outside. I can't even watch a movie. They left, came back. Their house stood. Every one of their churches stood. Our friend's church, literally right next door. The gas stations was demolished down to the ground. Nothing left standing whatsoever. A twisted mass of building, and here stood the church with siding blown off. Come on, somebody. It's like when we went to Baton Rouge, and everywhere's flooded for literally miles down the stretch of Baton Rouge as billions of dollars of damage took place. Entire dealerships were destroyed. And you're driving down the road and suddenly there's a car build up and you're like, well, why has everybody stopped here? And you keep going about a half mile and it's a line of people turning to get into Chick-fil-A. Because McDonald's right next door flooded and destroyed. Arby's gone. Chick-fil-A open for business. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to love the Lord. You're like, you're kidding me. There are benefits attached to just learning to receive this love. Then when you realize, man, my house will stand because he loves me. And if it blows away, I'm going to heaven because he loves me. <laughs> anyway, I win. My life will always be one of victory upon victory. Not because I'm the most talented. Are you kidding me? Not because I have the greatest revelations. Because I get this one thing right. I am loved by God. Amen. Say it one more time with me. Say, He, he loves, me. loves me exactly as you are. The love of God will never stop. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.